0: Richard, welcome to the Radio Sport Breakfast. Thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, uh, Nate and Ken. Great to be on. Have you heard from Eric Watson, and why is it that you missed out on buying the club? Um, well, they,
1: they've been sitting on the, uh, the purchase agreement that we sent them for over a month. Uh, we thought we had gone over the, the two major hurdles that were problematic in, in the acquisition, uh, but there were a couple of things that uh, they said that they were going to do, and that we were expecting. Um, and at the top of that list was uh, was just proof and demonstration that the team wasn't caught up in any of the legal issues between uh, Eric Watson and Sir Owen Glenn, and they either they wouldn't or they couldn't provide proof of uh, the team being uh, clear of that. And then the uh, the second thing was was that they said that they were going to put the team um, the the deal on some sort of a Insurance to make sure that uh, it was going to go through the way we thought it was going to go through.
0: In the end, Eric Watson went for cold hard cash. Did you not have enough of that?
1: Oh, we had we had more than uh, more than triple of the, what they were asking, but without being able to to demonstrate uh, those things that we were that we were looking for certainty on, um, we knew that uh, we, we wouldn't be able to to push the deal forward and either they were going to have to show that uh, there weren't any issues either, uh, particularly legally around the team. Um, And it just, it just seemed like they, they were, they were very hesitant to do that. And, you know, they sat on the purchase agreement for over a month, which we thought we were going to sign within a day or two of when we sent it to them. Um, So, you know, the, the, the finances weren't a problem. We just needed to make sure that, uh, a lawyer wasn't going to come knocking on our door in a week or two after we purchased the team saying that the court had awarded the team to some other person. So that, that was the major, the hang up with all of this.
0: What do you think therefore about the club selling for less than $18 million? Well, I, I mean, the 18 million,
1: uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an okay price. I, I think it's not reflective of the true value um, of the Warriors, but uh, you know, the, the Eric Watson's hurting for money, and I think he's in a lot more trouble than we than we actually knew. And uh, he was so desperate that he just was going to uh, take a dollar from wherever he could get it. Um, the the most unfortunate, I, I think, thing about all of this is that just the fact that the arl is such a boring organization like you know we we, we've had some interaction with them and it's like hard to stay awake in conversations when you're talking to these guys um and you can just see that there's no there's no vision there there's no uh sense or understanding of where professional sports entertainment is uh where it's come from where it's headed and what the future looks like so that's 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 the hard part so they'd be uh the Warriors are, are, are unfortunately going to spin their wheels uh, um, in the 1950s, 1960s, while these guys are running it for the next few years until it pops back up on the market again.
2: Richard Fale is with us. So, so, Richard, when you got on the plane to fly back, because I understand what you came out to New Zealand like six times, so you're out here quite a bit. The last time you flew back, you get on the plane to go there. As you're in Maria, do you, uh, have you did you think to yourself, we've just bought the Warriors?
1: Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I just, You know, we sent the information over to, to our, our attorney. Uh, they made some adjustments uh, to the, uh, the purchase agreement. I thought I would be landing back uh, here in the States with, um, with a markup from, from the, uh, the Warriors ready to sign and that um, I was going to gather our group and we would be on a flight in a few days back to uh, New Zealand.
0: Oh.
2: Okay, um, so that's surprising we, We've had questions in this morning when we heard you, were, you know we heard you were coming on here and, and listeners wanted to know stuff you, you, you came out here and I know that you, you mentioned some other things and someone from the Wellington region's gone um, ask can you please ask uh, Richard if he'd want to try and get a Wellington team into the NRL because that's something that's been talked about for a while and, and the Wellington region, especially the the Hutt Valley area, has been a hotbed for it for a while. Is there anything else you'd entertain or is uh, is, is that not really one? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we, we've, uh, absolutely, uh, fallen in love with, uh, the National Rugby League and the opportunities that it presents. It's a very exciting sport. Um, we understand that it has, it has the potential for growth and expansion into the United States given the, uh, high contact, high collision, uh, nature of the game. Um, and we wanted to be the gateway for, uh, uh, for that expansion. Uh, for, you know, we're, we're, We've already been contacted by, by by several uh prospects for acquisitions there within the NRL and um we're we're definitely very interested uh in developing a relationship uh and ownership within the uh National Rugby League.
2: So are those existing clubs or is this, hey, we might have an expansion and there might be a license you could pick up?
1: Um on both sides, actually, there there seems to be that there that there's going to be some movements, uh, especially with some teams um, currently in Sydney. Uh, the general sentiment seems to be that the uh, the market is uh, saturated there, and that the uh, uh, that there's an interest in in kind of. Um, Moving some of those teams so that the so that the market there isn't so saturated.
0: Richard, we also have to ask you about rugby union. Would you be interested at any stage in buying into the Super Rugby competition? And do you think that you would be interested in setting up a team in the United States to participate?
1: Um, there are this is this is the exciting thing. I mean, there's so many opportunities there. Uh, and uh we've already been approached on a number of fronts uh you know all the way even into Europe um about uh, uh some of these things but we, we you know we're we're we're, we're islanders we're, we we want to stay close to home we're um we're a Hawaii west coast uh based uh group and so we uh you know and I I've mentioned this before that uh that uh the super rugby competition was the original reason why the group came together seeking a uh, opportunity for a Pacific Islander franchise um, that would uh, most likely be based uh, in in Hawaii. Um, and that's... So the, that, the whole rugby union thing is, is definitely on the radar for sure.
2: Um, Richard, to the locals of Hawaii, though, how would you go about getting them, you know, to, to get it as far as rugby goes? Because I'm sure you could bring it in, but it's not like... I, I mean, I, I don't know the landscape there. Are, is there a lot of... Is there any rugby played in Hawaii? See, this is... Okay, now, now this, is, this is the very interesting
1: thing, right? And this is the, the subject matter expertise that we would have brought to, uh, uh, to the Warriors and, and to the National Rugby League, is that it isn't about a bunch of guys passing the ball around on the field. Even though that's important, it's the values that, that you're sharing and it's the, the enjoyment of the competition there. A perfect example is myself. I have never, ever liked baseball. But these baseball games are so much fun to go to and be at. So even a guy like me who does not enjoy the game one bit, enjoys the, the fanfare, the atmosphere, and the, the whole production that goes on during game day. And that's something that, uh, that needs to take place in, in, uh, in both rugby league and rugby union. And it's, and it's an area of expertise that I don't think anybody has surpassed in what they've been able to deliver in the United States. You even If you talk to a bunch of these NFL fans, they don't, they're lifelong fans of, of their team in the NFL. But if you went and questioned them about the rules and all that stuff that happened on the field, you're going to be surprised at how, how much they actually don't know um, about the rules. So it, it isn't so much about um, being able to educate people on the game. Even if they just have to understand the relative flow and basics of it. But it's providing an atmosphere where people want to come, people want to get together, and they just have a great time.
0: So, do you think? I mean, is, is this the last we've heard of Richard Farley in New Zealand?
1: Oh, not even close. Not even close. All right, uh, we're, we we developed some some great relationships there. We've uh, contacted some great people, people who have already uh, asked to uh, to partner with our uh, consortium moving forward in in a number of uh, different directions. Um, this is going to be it, it, it's going to be a great time. And what we what we feel is is because you know our, our family ties uh, to New Zealand are so strong, we, we frequently uh, travel uh, to or through New Zealand um, on a on a regular basis. Is that it, it just makes sense for us? I mean, the words are going to pop up back up uh, on the market again in a few years. I mean, we've seen this movie before. You know, it's like it, it's like it's like watching that Braveheart, right? Every time I hope William Wallace doesn't die at the end. But guess what? Every time I watch the movie, he still dies at the end. <laughs> the ARL is an organization that has no understanding or, or concept of where professional sports is and what direction it's going. You look at the NFL and NBA teams that are struggling to maintain those constantly changing connections with their fans. Okay? Now, if, if these guys are struggling to do that, I, I mean, I've directly asked these ARL guys, how are you, because the way you communicate with a 15 year old fan with a 25 year old fan with a 50 year old fan is all completely different. They didn't even know what Snapchat was. Like I said, well, you know, like the younger guys, a lot of them are using Snapchat. They're like, Oh, what's Snapchat? Like, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And, and those avenues of communication and developing relationships with fans, the the changes only accelerating. It's not going to get any slower. So what's the future of a fan, you know, so you have to figure out these five-year-olds, 10-year-olds now, where are they going to be in the next 10, 15 years so that you can develop those relationships with them? And they don't have a clue. And it blows my mind that in a city of over a million people, that getting 20 to 25,000 people to a game is like considered success. Like Like that's some great accomplishment. That just means more than 975,000 people thought your product wasn't worth coming to. There should be a line. There should be like a five, 10-year wait to get tickets to a Warriors game because those guys are so awesome. The, the quality of the, of the team is there. It's just simply a matter of leadership, getting the organization from where it is to where it could be. I mean, you have an entire country to yourself, which is, uh, which is really part of the amazing thing that attracted us to the organization to begin with. And these guys can't figure out how to get twenty-five thousand people to a game. That says everything about the leadership, not about the team.
2: Thanks, Richard. Richard, thank you very much Appreciate
0: for your
1: time.
2: Andy